Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? I've got a foot warmer in here with me, Amy. You do? Why don't you explain? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Ramsey is like attached to me. The dog. So we're recording, I'm at the house, and the dog will not leave. So he's laying on my feet now. But it's good because it's cool outside because it's finally fall. It's finally fall. There's a coolness in the air, pumpkin spice everywhere. I'm trying this year not to have any pumpkin spice anything. Oh, I can't imagine that. I've kind of overdone it the last couple of years. So this year I'm going to be like, all right, let's see if I I can do it without. We'll see what happens. And have always loved pumpkin since before, you know, when it was just pie. Like there was a a day when all you did was just eat pumpkin pie. And I loved it. Um, I, I do think... There are some items that are maybe a bridge too far and have made public statements to that effect that I, I'm not a fan of making everything pumpkin flavored. But I do like a good pumpkin spice latte every now and then, still eat the pie. There's one dessert that I make that I've made for 20 years and love that. So I make a good pumpkin pie. Yeah. So, you know what the uh, the key to a good pumpkin pie that will not crack on top is? Why don't you tell me? Extra yolks, bake it at a high temperature for like 15 and then drop it down and slow bake it the rest of the way. Okay. Good to know. I'll remember that. That's, that's uh, on our other show, Pies with Jonathan, this week. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be so, sure to catch that when it comes yeah. out. Episode 314. There you is, go. Uh, the, get that. Pies. Anyway, okay, that's it. We're going to move on to the news this week. It's been a big week, Amy, because this week we had an executive committee meeting. Yes, we did, and I did not leave my house, which was, it was really kind of odd, but also nice to not, you know, be traveling and and all of that, but it was kind of strange to to have all the the goings on, but not not normal. It's kind of like the meeting, kind of like everything else this year. Yes, you're doing everything at your house. Uh, but there was some business that was attended to in the executive committee meeting this week, obviously met by Zoom. So a virtual meeting uh, that we broadcast, you can go and we'll link to the broadcast if you want to go back and watch that. I think it was an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 25. Something like so, that. Uh, wasn't too long of a meeting. We've had some long ones in the past and usually, I mean, it's like two days worth of stuff. So. Right. For an EC meeting, you know, we had a, a, an address from Dr. Floyd, an address from J.D. Greer. We had Pastor Roland Slade, the chairman of the executive committee, made some comments, and we did a few pieces of business. So right. uh, the big piece of that business is a CP allocation budget readjustment, I guess you could say, uh, from what was originally passed back in February, which was going to be proposed to the Southern Baptist Convention in June. That was canceled. That budget was going to be $197,700,000, but... The executive committee adopted a decrease of 5% in that budget, meaning that next year's cooperative program allocation budget will be $186,875,000. Yes, that was kind of the main piece of business, the one that you know you, you would look to the, the most. They also approved an $8.5 million EC and SBC operating budget. Yes. And those were the only two main actions. Yes, and, and that EC operating budget and SBC operating budget, that is the budget for the executive committee as well as the budget that helps put on 
the Southern the Baptist Convention meeting. annual meeting. Right. That'll be in 2021 in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. That's right. So, so one thing that might be helpful to explain why these were the only two actions um, is because the processes are you, you can't just say, hey, we're going to have the regular EC meeting online. They had to cancel it. And then this was a called, a special called meeting of the EC. And really just because of the virtual nature and the fact that there's a lot of, of business that is, that takes place, a lot of dealing with motions, things like that, that we, that we don't have yeah, because don't have there were year. no motions and it's kind of a different year and people weren't face to face. It was like, these are the pressing things. And so the budgets had to be approved. And this is a place where the executive committee acted ad interim for the convention because the convention was not able to pass those budgets. And it's coming October 1st. It, you know, they needed to be, they needed to be passed. So the executive committee did that on behalf of the convention. And that was really the major action out of this virtual special called meeting. So anything yes. else will be dealt with in February. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that the executive committee can't do on behalf of the convention, but this uh, passing of the budget of the EC as well as the cooperative program allocation budget, obviously two things that they could do. So right, kind uh, of a way a way to keep done. the lights on. Yes, yeah, exactly. So uh, and and also you know the the it's not like the money wasn't going to keep coming in, but this budget allows institutions like Southeastern and Southern Seminary and Southwestern UR Seminaries, as well as IMB and NAM, to kind of have an idea of what kind of money to expect from cooperative program giving. And, you know, also what the executive committee needs to spend, obviously, on its side with its budget that's been set by the executive committee. So, yes. So uh, that's where we are. That's where we are. Also announced in that meeting, Amy, is a new CFO at the EC. Jeff Pearson, who is a layman and financial expert, will be replacing Bill Towns, who is retiring. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and he'll be the chief financial officer at the executive committee. Yes. So Jeff comes to the executive committee from ALSAC, which is the uh, funding arm of St. Jude's Research Hospital. Uh, ALSAC stands for the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities, and they, uh, for the past uh, 60 plus years, have been St. Jude's fundraising and awareness organization. He was there about 25 years at St. Jude's and 15 years as the CFO. So uh, handled a $1.7 billion budget at ALSAC. So yeah, he uh, <laughs> a little a little bit smaller budget it'll be handling here at the EC. But uh, I've met Jeff, had a chance to, to meet him uh, during the interview process and everything. Absolutely wonderful man of God, and we are so excited to have him Very on cool. the team yes. at the EC. Yes. Uh, great story in Baptist Press about that and tells a little bit about how he was on a trip to Israel and was praying and really wanted to sort of finish out his career in whatever way that God desired and, and sensed a, a calling, really. And so wanted to sort of finish that out in something, as it says, eternally wrapped around the Great Commission. And so here he is joining yeah, us. And he and his wife, Mindy, just became grandparents for the first time of twins. Their, their daughter, cool. who lives up in the uh, Kansas City area, had twins just about like two, three weeks ago. So 
congratulations to them on that. They've been kind of going back and forth between Memphis, where he is, and Kansas City and Nashville. So uh, it's been a busy month for the Pearsons, but we are so excited to have him on. He will start uh, kind of the end of October, 1st of November, have a little overlap time with Bill before Bill leaves at the end of the year, and then he will be uh, kind of the guy going forward. There you go. All right, some sad news, though, this week, Amy, out of Gateway Seminary out there in Ontario, California. We lost a professor, Lisa Hoff, passed away Monday suddenly at the age of 51. Yeah, this was, uh, I, I know, just a heartbreaking thing for the community there at Gateway. And really, you know, from someone, for me, having spent a lot of time in seminary communities over my career and adult life, I know how hard this is to lose a faculty member. And so uh, Lisa Hoff served the seminary most recently as director of the Kim School of Global Missions and associate professor of intercultural studies. Um, She worked in East Asia for 15 years as an educator, intercultural trainer, and entrepreneur. And uh, I, I have heard in the last few days just some really tremendous things about her. And there's just a lot of great respect that people have had for, um, for Lisa Hoff. And I just, my heart goes out to the community there at gateway into her family. Absolutely. And just a, you know, tragic, tragic news there. And we are definitely praying for gateway and the gateway family had a chance to text with some of the leadership out there this week. And, uh, they're just, you know, all in shock and really saddened by the loss of Dr. Hoff. So please do keep Gateway and the Hoff family in your prayers. Over to Lifeway, Amy, where we got some tech-related news from them. They have sold Word Search, uh, kind of an online Bible program, to Logos Bible Software. So uh, if you have Logos, now you have Word Search too, I guess. Yes, and if you have Word Search, does that mean you have Logos? I think you have a comparable version of Logos. It's in an email to all the customers, so they know. I need what to look got. at this because I got a library that I got to make sure you know. Yeah, same here. I've got to figure that so. out on my end. Right. So I've got a big library, a couple thousand books in there. So yeah, yeah. In some ways, I mean the the two platforms had a lot of similarities, and so them coming together, I think, in terms of user experience, will be, uh, I would hope, seamless. You know. Yes. And, and very beneficial to, to the users. Uh, a, word search is a big use on campuses. A lot of schools have gone to electronic textbooks and use word search as that platform. So I know big schools like uh, Liberty and a few other seminaries also use that. So uh, that should help those users and, you know, a seamless transition from word search to Logos. All right, Amy, it's the fall. And you know what that means. State conventions. And I tell you... Our state convention coverage is going to be really different this year. I think. Yes, it will. But we're going to get them all in, Amy, because we we've got our first one here, and it's from Florida. They passed a CP budget of $28.5 million, and that means 51% of that will move on to the National Cooperative Program Allocation Budget, and 49% will stay in Florida for the convention's missions and ministries. This is a $1.5 million decrease uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're seeing, uh, you know, you st- it was going to be $30 million, but instead it's 28.5. They had a meeting of their board instead right. of the entire uh, annual meeting. They, they canceled their annual meeting, just had a meeting of the board. Yes, and acting they, uh, ad interim, all- acting yes. ad interim. Yep. And at the meeting, Amy, to, to help churches with COVID-19 and how they're just struggling in the state, Florida Baptists have provided emergency loans that are interest-free 
to 124 churches across the state valued at almost a million dollars. So they, they've helped churches get through this time with these interest-free loans of over $935,000, uh, you know, helping churches really get going. So, and keep going throughout the, uh, the pandemic. So, uh, just a really cool thing that Tommy Green and Florida Baptist are doing down there. They've also distributed food. Get this. Since April, they have distributed food worth more than $23 million. Wow. In Florida Baptist churches to residents in 66 of Florida's 67 counties. That's like 4.5 million meals that they have given from the convention through partnerships with the state of Florida and private companies. So really doing a ton down there in Florida uh, to really help out those affected by COVID-19 and the pandemic and, you know, unemployment and all that. So uh, just a fantastic job by the Florida Baptist Convention. That's incredible. They also extended terms of service for the officers. So Eric Cummings will still be the president. Mike Wiggins will be the vice president. Vanessa Cardona, second vice president. And Randy Huckabee will be the recording secretary and extended another year of service for their Committee on Order of Business, Committee on Nominations, and the trustees of the cooperating ministries, much like we saw this summer with the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. All right, now, Amy, up to D.C., where we've got a, a legal battle between Capitol Hill Baptist Church and this district. Yes, so Capitol Hill Baptist Church has filed suit against the District of Columbia and as they seek to hold outdoor worship services while abiding by restrictions in place for other gatherings. Um, so what they contended is that the district's restrictions in response to COVID-19 violate First Amendment rights and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and it really talks about how the current regulation limits religious gatherings to 100 people or 50% of capacity, whichever is less, whether they're held indoors or outdoors. So Capitol Hill had applied for a waiver in early June, but they they didn't get any reply. So that's why this is happening now. Then they filed an updated request in September, September 1, and D.C. denied that request. So the congregation was saying they were committed to require social distancing, the wearing of masks, things like that. And I think they've been meeting in uh, some an outdoor place like, I don't know if it's in Virginia or Maryland or some, somewhere outside D.C., but they were trying to. Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, they were trying to be able to meet in D.C. So then they basically contrasted the government's treatment of churches and other religious bodies with its support for mass protests that the mayor spoke at at least one of the protests that there was actual like governmental support for those and says they, they don't take issue with the decision to allow those gatherings um, say that they're protected by the first amendment, but the church supports the exercise of first amendment rights, but says it protects both mass protests and religious worship. And so the mayor is sort of choosing one or the other. They, they speak of it as selective enforcement of the rules. So mm-hmm. we will have to see where this goes. So we'll keep an eye on that. And if anything changes on that, we'll let you know in the future. Finally, we go to New Mexico, Amy. We have a nominee for the new state exec of the Baptist Convention of New Mexico, Steve Ballou. 
Ballou is pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Farmington, New Mexico. Um, if he's elected, he would succeed Joseph Bunce, um, beginning in January 2021. And so it, it looks like the search committee had listening sessions with local associations, staff, you know, other people to kind of uh, see what people were really looking for. And then after feedback and many days of prayer, they started soliciting resumes and he was recommended. He was actually on the search committee, but then a pastor, someone recommended him as a candidate. And so he resigned from the search committee. It said he reluctantly submitted his resume. And then after they reviewed all the candidates, the committee members unanimously chose Steve Ballou in um, what they say was a providential meeting. Yeah, have not met Steve, texted with him a little bit this week, let him know we were doing this story. So congrats to him and uh, hope to meet him soon. Uh, hopefully we can start having some meetings again at some point. So yeah, uh, they will vote on him at their annual meeting. Their annual meeting is being held in New Mexico. So uh, they'll bring forth that nomination and we'll let you know the results of that when we cover that state convention annual meeting. That's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, this week I decided to go back to 1961 and do a special This Week in SBC History just for you. For me? Yeah. So if anyone gets the oh. morning email from Baptist Press, yes. there's a, a special section in the morning email that you yourself sort of curate every day, and that is BP Sports. Yes. And so I was looking uh, around, and I found in the September 24th issue of Baptist Press there is uh, something that if it had happened today or if you were doing the morning email back then in 61, if they had email, uh, I think this would have made it into the morning email. Um, and it's about college football's first weekend that uh, there were six Southern Baptist colleges that were playing, but they only won two out of six games. And it would have been um, it would have been three. They would have won, you know, half of them, if not for a freak play in the Carson Newman uh -oh. game. All right. So Carson. Does it involve an animal? Well, no. Carson oh. Newman Eagles, they were leading three to zero at the end. Okay. And, at the end of what? Um, it's. Oh, near the end of the game. Yeah, I think near I the guess. end of the game. Okay. And they, it says what appeared to be a smooth play backfired that they were in possession of the ball. They had a routine handoff play. They were playing Western Carolina. And as they are going to hand off, a Western Carolina player burst through the line and was in the right spot at the right time and just intercepted the handoff and ran 52 yards to score. And then Carolina actually went on. So it wasn't at the very end. But Carolina went on to win the whole thing 12 to 10. And so it says, but for a freak play in the Carson Newman game, they would have broken even in wins and losses, but they ended up winning only two of six. So at that time, University of Richmond was a Baptist college. They upset West Virginia that weekend, 35 to 26. And Furman University beat Presbyterian College 27 to 6. But then the uh, three Texas Baptist teams, Howard Payne, um, University of Corpus Christi, and Hardin-Simmons were all uh, were all shut out. They all lost. 
But sounds like, you know, that Western Carolina player just breaking through, grabbing the ball the moment it's being handed off, turned turned everything, and it made Baptist Press. And so um, as you are sharing with us, BP Sports, every single day, uh, they were doing the same this week in SBC history. All right. So this is very similar to what many football fans will know as the miracle in the Meadowlands. So okay. you, you probably don't know this, but no in 1978, idea. before I was born and after you were born, the Giants were up 17-12s. All they had to do was run out the final few seconds of the clock, and they botched a handoff, fumbled it, and of all people, Herm Edwards picks up the fumble and runs it in for a touchdown. They win 1917. Wow. Well, that so, there you have it. Very similar. It's like the miracle in the Meadowlands, same thing. I mean, yeah. so it's the same kind of thing. Funny story. I met Herm Edwards earlier this year, hung okay. out with him in, for a few or a few minutes in uh, in Arizona. So went by his office at Arizona State. He's a head football coach there. So uh, yeah, so Herm Edwards picked up the miracle in the Meadowlands, scored that, and that sounds ex- almost exactly like what you're talking about in the Carson Newman game. Yeah, but it was not Carson Newman that did it, so it was really sad no. for the readers of Baptist for, Press. For Carson Newman, not for Western Carolina. The right. Catamounts were pumped, man. Right. But for the Baptist Press readers, they didn't get, you know, it was two for six. Did you know so. that Western Carolina's the Catamounts? I had no idea. Yep. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, sorry, all our Carson Newman readers or listeners. Yes. Um, yeah. Bring up those bad memories. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Well, I came on this this morning, actually, and felt like it was completely appropriate to share. Um, Southeastern Seminary does uh, publishes their theological journal every uh, a couple of few times a year. And they just released their fall issue of the Southeastern Theological Review. So obviously they've been working on that for a little while. And it included an interview with Lisa Hoff of Gateway Seminary. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the way that the Southeastern Theological Review is published is it's published online and you can go online to read the entire thing or they actually will break it out by article. And so what I wanted to share was that interview with her. And so, um, and this is an academic journal, but the, the interview really is about sort of her time in East Asia with her, also her interaction with uh, Chinese Christians and how that is really informed her work and even, you know, rejuvenated her faith. They actually, you know, ask that and she gives some really great and, and beautiful answers. And so I saw that and thought this has to be my resource of the week because, um, as we're recording this today, her memorial service has just begun out on the West Coast. And so I couldn't help it. So I, I just, I know they, they would have done this a long time ago. It just happened to drop, I think this week. Um, but for those who didn't know Lisa Hoff and I didn't know her, this is a great way to get to know her heart and to see what a loss, you know, this was. Oh, wow. That's really nice, Amy. I'm glad you found that. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Mine is also kind of missions based and mine is kind of an update. We back in May, we talked about this. We had Abby Cavanaugh and the Abby's challenge, the $32 yes. challenge at the IMB. So we, we talked about this back in May and I, I gave to that in May, and we are looking at a update here this week in Baptist Press, 
more than 150 people have given to Abby's challenge, and more than $13,000 has been raised. Wow. That's incredible. So Abby Cavanaugh, so she's, you know, grew up on the mission field, um, and, you know, she's actually in East Asia, and, you know, had this heart to give toward the the missionaries that may have to come home because of COVID-19 and the, the shortfall in the budget of the IMB. And God has taken this $32.20 that she gave and inspired this giving campaign. More than $13,000 has been raised and, and 155 people have given to it. So I, I would just challenge our listeners, you know, help us out, make that to 50000 They're trying to get to 50000 I would love to see our, our listeners go and give to Abby's Challenge. That just that $32 gift. There's a, a website over there, imb.org slash Abby's Challenge, all one word there, and you can give toward that. So uh, we'll put the link in the show notes as usual. But a uh, kind of cool thing there from Abby and just yeah. uh, a neat little story about that. So you can go check that out over at uh, the website. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the show. Appreciate everybody jumping in. Amy, next week, big day next week, big day. Yes, hotel reservations open up October 1st. That's right. So next Thursday morning, 8 o'clock a.m. Central, hotel reservations open for the annual meeting. So you got to be ready. 8 o'clock, we'll hit go, and you can book your hotels for June. So we've got like 1,500 rooms or so at the Opryland Hotel open to the public. So, I mean, there's a bunch of rooms. So come early, stay late, enjoy Nashville, enjoy your time at in the Music City here, and, but book those hotel rooms next week, Thursday morning, October 1st, 8 a.m. There you go. Central. Central. So if you're in, if you're in North Carolina like Amy, that's 9 a.m. So you get an extra hour of sleep. If you're listening to us from Hawaii, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Stay up late. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty tough. But anyway, we'll be here next week. We'll probably have some updated stats on how many rooms have been reserved and things like that. So we'll be able to get that information from Lynn. Uh, we I think we did like 80% of the rooms last year in 24 hours. It was crazy, but it was also Orlando. So uh, we'll see what happens this year with uh, everything with COVID and all. But uh, we'll keep an eye on the hotel reservations. But yes, be sure, sbcannualmeeting.net. There's a link there to get your hotel reservations. Be sure to do that, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.